Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salat wa salam ala rasulillah. Dear brothers and sisters, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, and welcome to another Ilm Feed podcast. I'm your host, Fatima Barakatullah, and today I've got another excellent guest, um, and we've got some amazing topics that we're going to be talking about. Uh, I have with me today Um Talha. Um Talha is founder of Marital Arts, a Muslim women's organization that empowers women to have better and stronger family lives through having better and stronger marriages. Um, um Talha has also been a homeschooler, mashallah. She studied Islamic studies and um, Tajweed also in um, Cairo, in Egypt, mashallah. Um, her teacher and mentor is Sheikh Abu Talha, who happens to be her husband. And he's a scholar who, mashallah, graduated from the University of Medina. Uh, she's been part of, you know, mosque committees. She's been involved with youth projects. She's got a Islamic preschool that she runs, Iqra Preschool. Mashallah, a really, a superwoman, I think. Uh, so, alhamdulillah, I'm really glad to have you here today with us, Um Talha. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And I must say, her greatest uh, quality is that she is one of my best friends, <laughs> mashallah. Um, and so, you know, it makes it even more special that we're getting to have this conversation. Um, um Talha, mm -hmm. I found it so romantic that, mashallah, you know, your husband is your mentor. Um, and, and that's really a special gift, I think. Um, what do you mean by your husband being your mentor? Um, actually, um, when the proposal of my husband came back in 2001, um, I was really eager to learn about Islam. So one of the things that I was really looking for in a husband is that a person who can teach me and guide me because there were so many groups, Islamic groups out there and I was thinking, okay, I don't want to go into a wrong group. You know, as you, you know, worry because everyone wants to follow the correct path, you know, the Quran and Sunnah. So when when the proposal came, initially I, I declined because I thought he is such a knowledgeable person and I'm such a newbie. But then I thought to myself, you know what, he could be actually good for my deen. So if all else fails, then I'll just be his student. You know, that's the kind of, because I was only 19 then. Wow. And um, sorry, I was 21 when I got married. So uh, I started practicing when I was 19. So I was very keen to marry somebody who would actually guide me, you know, who would be my um, teacher, you know, who would be my um, mentor. So when his proposal came, um, I thought, you know what? He can be actually really good for my dean. So with that um, frame of mind, I, I, I looked into it. And alhamdulillah, he was so down to earth. And then one of the things that I discussed during my marriage talk was that, you know, I really want to learn. Uh, would you teach me? And I remember one of the things that he asked me during the marriage, you know, talks uh, is, is how my Quran is. So he asked me to recite Surah Fatiha on the phone. So I recited Surah Fatiha and he was like, okay. I didn't know what he meant by that. Okay. But then afterwards, you know, he, he, he was uh, very uh, supportive and he said, would you like to study abroad? And I said, yeah, of course. It was like my dream coming true. Uh, initially, I wanted to go to Jeddah, but he said, you know what, we'll, we'll go to Egypt. But Qadar Allah, when I went to Egypt, the teacher of uh, Jeddah was in Egypt. 
So I had the best of both worlds. But from then onwards, you know, he's been very supportive and he's so much into education. And from then onwards, you know, I, I always fall back on him to consult him and, you know, ask him, sometimes pester him or give me the source of this hadith and that hadith. And I tell him, you know, you don't realize how much goodness you're actually taking from, you know, giving me that time because the mm -hmm. ladies I'm, I'm teaching, you know, everything that you teach me goes back to you. So I sometimes laugh and joke with him. I say, you know, on the day of judgment, you'd be like, Ya Allah, where is all these deeds from? And, yeah. you know, you wouldn't know. So sometimes I do tell him, you know, you don't realize how much you actually support me in doing what I do. That's so important though, isn't it? I mean, like having a husband, a spouse, who not only has the same vision as you, right? But also is actually invested in your, your progress, mm. your development. I think that's priceless and, and it's really good that that was something that you were mindful enough to think enough. of because I think a lot of the time today, you know, you'd find a lot of, especially younger people, wouldn't necessarily bear some of those things in mind. Don't, I mean, Fatima, um, it sounds like, you know, it was such an easy sell, but actually it was quite a challenge to pursue him, you know, in my marriage because obviously... Um, you know, uh, people uh, in my family, they were a bit, you know, unsure because they were thinking, well, because I don't know about you, but in, in Bangladesh, we have this thing where the northerners don't get married to the southerners, you know. So he's from the south okay. and I'm from the north. No, I don't so know it, about this. It, it, it was such a like, um, you know, struggle, but some struggles are worth it. You know, oh, sure. you have to be mindful of the hadith of the Prophet, you know, like people marry for different reasons. Yeah. And if you marry for the deen, you know, subhanAllah, it is so true. You know, you do find that eventually you do see the benefits of it. You just mm -hmm. have to hold on, you know. Yeah. And uh, that is something that I saw in not only my life, but in other sisters, you know, marriages as well. If you if you make the focus of marrying because of the deen, Allah blesses it in a way that you cannot imagine, you know. Um, so, yeah. So, mashallah, you've already mentioned that you're originally from Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. um, tell us a little bit about... I know that you're very active in London, in, especially in East London. I mean, everybody knows you, mashallah, from what I can see. Uh, so you've, mashallah, touched a lot of people's lives. Um, but tell me a little bit about your childhood and kind of like, you know, where did Um Talha come from? Where where were you raised? Mm -hmm. uh, which part of London? And, and what kind of family situation were you mm -hmm. from? Well, I came to Britain when I was... Um, five or six in 1985 really uh, yes wow. with my um, by the way I, a lot of this stuff i don't know as well <laughs> even though i'm a very good friend of umtalha's you know mm. it, it's amazing that we haven't actually necessarily discussed some of this stuff so it's it's really um it's nice for, for me well. yeah it's <laughs> nice for me to be able to talk to you like this so yeah sorry carry on yeah so i came with my family in 1985 um and uh my oh. father became very ill, so we had to go back to Bangladesh because he um, was uh, diagnosed with cancer. So um, he wanted to basically have last days in Bangladesh. So we went back uh, to Bangladesh in 87. You know, subhanAllah, he passed away in Ramadan. Uh, Allah have mercy on his soul. Oh. Then we came back and then um, basically I was orphaned, you know, when I was about six, seven. So I grew up as an orphan and it was very difficult to see um, life, you know, um, without a father figure in my house. You know, we were children of like, um, say, three three girls and one one boy. My mother became a widow when she was in her 30s. 
So as you can imagine, you know, it was very difficult for her. And, um, you know, of course we had male relatives, but there's nothing like having a father who yeah. would stay. So Absolutely. that was my childhood, alhamdulillah. And I think, you know, it's really, you know, amazing uh, to, to kind of um, see how... Uh, even the professor, some you know, he had a you know uh, upbringing as an orphan, and I can really relate to that. And I think, I think growing up as an orphan gives you such a great um, power of empathy with other people. You really can feel other people's pain. And I think when I see my role in the community, how differences would confide in me, and how they would tell me certain things that they're going through. And I just think to myself, why, why, why do they disclose all this information? But naturally, I feel. If you feel that somebody has genuine interest in your life, you would want to open up to them. So mm. Allah had a better plan. You know, I, I grew up as an orphan, perhaps to feel the pain of what people are going through, you know. And I'm so, telling you, Fatima, sometimes sisters would tell me things and I would be thinking to myself, subhanAllah, that's such a great trust that they, they have included me in their life or in their trials. And I would just keep, like, you know, quiet. But I would think to myself, I feel so honored to be part of their struggles or their difficulties. And I know they, they, they would not tell anyone about what's going on, but it has really given me an insight of what sisters really go through, you know. And some sometimes I feel so privileged that I'm part of somebody's life and I'm able to help people in the ways that maybe they can't seek help. SubhanAllah, like just hearing about you being an orphan, you know, um, it reminds me of my mom actually, because um, my mom was an orphan. Her father passed away before she was born. Mm -hmm. um, and so she grew up with her mom, but um, she was raised by her elder brother. And one of the things that when she talks to me about her childhood, I, I really get is that you you can't be spoiled as an orphan. No. You know, you, you really can't be spoiled. Mm -hmm. And um, in fact, in a way, you start fulfilling the role of being at other people's service mm -hmm. at quite a young age. Yeah. Um, and uh, I definitely can see, you know, what you're saying about having empathy. Mm -hmm. I think my mum also became that kind of person, you know, who people felt they can confide in and who just had this human touch. Mm. And I see that in you, you know, seeing the work that you've, you've been doing over the years. And, mashallah, you've got that kind of... Um, uh, quality of being a mentor of being somebody who really cares um, and that's such an important quality isn't it especially when we're talking about the delicate topic of marriage mm -hmm. uh, so to so tell us like going from that experience mm -hmm. right growing up as an orphan and then moving to the UK mm -hmm. growing up here uh, was it in East London that you grew up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, East London is my place. Yeah. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Um, I've been living in here for a long time. And uh, uh, when I started um, to learn about Islam, uh, one of my good friends from uh, primary school, she introduced me to a circle that was taking place from around the corner to here um, in Whitechapel. And uh, that's a circle that really uh, made me find myself because I was well, yeah. continuously going to uh, halakha, weekly halakha. And interestingly, I still attend the halakha. The only difference is I, I teach, you know, before You're I was running learning. the halakha now. Mashallah. Yes, alhamdulillah. Yeah. And uh, it was through the halakha that my husband was introduced to me, you know. Um, so yeah. <laughs> that halakha is so very special. Full of barakah, mashallah. Full of barakah, you know. Um, I mean, I started attending in 1999 and mm -hmm. uh, the... 
circle is still continuing till this day. And don't you think that halakas are so important? Like so important. People don't realize the importance of doing something weekly on um, a regular basis. On a regular basis, but yeah. even weekly, you know, because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. very regular. Mm. Um, and just having that little space to go refocus, mm. rethink about Allah. You know, because the dunya is just like all around you, yeah. constantly pulling you and mm. away from Allah, mm. constantly mm. telling you other things are important. Mm. You come together with your Muslim brothers and sisters. Mm. You have those moments where you refocus, and mm. then you go back out into the world. Yeah, refreshed, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mashallah. I mean, the brothers they have the weekly Juma, you know, where they yeah. go and they get reminded. Mm. But sisters. What do they have? I mean, not everyone not can attend Juma, yeah. isn't mm. it? You know? I mean, some can, mashallah, but yeah. majority they can't, you know. Mm. So I feel they need a time to come together and be reminded, you know, about the purpose of, you know, why they're here. And, you know, this is one of the things that the Prophet used to do. He used to give allocated time to the women, you know. So it's very important that women's growth is also something that's taken care of, you know. Um, so, yeah. So why marriage? Why? Tell us first... Uh, a little bit about marital arts and mm-hmm. the sorts of activities that you've been in that yeah. marital arts is involved in. Um, I've been involved with different dawa organization or different community activities. But what I realized is that um, home is like a, a very important space. And if the culture of the home is healthy and Islamic, then that actually develops everyone in the home. So it's important the person who's in charge of the home, which is the homemaker, mother, wife, her needs needs to be taken care of, you know, because she is the one who's taking care of the needs of others. But who's taking care of her need? So that's when I thought, you know what, a lot of my work in the community has been taking care of her, being like the older sister or the mentor. I thought it's about time that we actually did something so that we can create a bit of an awareness of the need of the homemaker, the mother, the wife, you know, the one who's always giving. Because as you right. know, you cannot give if you don't have. And I don't like this whole notion of people just giving, giving and not having anything for themselves. Because, you know, you don't want to be like a candle that gives light to others but burns itself out, you know. Or mm-hmm. you don't, you can't pour from an empty vessel. So if you imagine Absolutely. the mother, the wife, she's like the vessel. She needs to keep refueling, you know. And marital arts helps her to refuel by making sure she takes care of herself, her spiritual growth, her, you know, mind, body, and soul growth. Because it's important that a person like a woman is taking care of herself. And that is done with no guilt. So we are like mm-hmm. an organization that helps her to think, okay, what am I doing for myself? What is my passion? What What is my my time, you know? And yeah. one of the ways that we encourage her to find her time is by attending the circle on a regular right. basis. So that's okay. her time, that's her space, and that's her moment. And, you know, subhanAllah, a lot of sisters, they tell me, Um Talha, you know, every time when I come to the circle, I go away feeling refreshed, like new sense of energy. And mm. I'm thinking that's the idea. Because right. every one of us, we need to feel refueled. And that mm. Saturday halakha is that... You know, uh, some of the attendees, they described it as it's like a spiritual lifeline. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. because they feel really like, you know, whatever they've gone through the week when they come to the halakha, it's time to refocus. It's time to reconnect with their purpose of being here. Because being a parent and being being married and being a parent is tough, right? Yes. That you do have ups and downs. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that people um, often underestimate is... You know, when you see somebody who has a great marriage, 
and uh, it, it's very visible that they've got a great marriage and they you know sometimes people often assume that okay this person has had it lucky hmm. you know they got lucky they met this perfect person and they just happened to click and uh, they're living happily ever after because they're lucky hmm. right i don't think people realize or you know appreciate sometimes that actually everyone who has a great family culture and has a great marriage they've had to put work into that right absolutely 110% i always say in my uh, marriage uh, workshop and talks that having a healthy marriage is a bit like having a healthy weight you know where you have to make sure you do the exercise you have to yeah. eat well and you have yeah. to be mindful of you know how how you're you know um leading a lifestyle you know you have yeah. to have a healthy lifestyle choices so similarly a healthy marriage doesn't it's not just going to have come no, out of the not blue. At it's all, not, not at all you know i mean overnight <clears throat> if you if you think if there was one marriage that was problem free it would have been the marriage of the prophet with Some his wife but even Absolutely. then we know there were time where he had to move away and rethink you know and we know the stories mentioned in surah hasab you know where you know the, the the wives you know um they they were given the choice what do you want do you want the glitter of this dunya this or dunya? yeah, yeah or the prophet or the prophet's so why why is it it's to show us that you know in relationship things are going to happen but it's mm. not the end of the world yeah it's about how you manage it you know and even you know in my marriage you know i've had you know arguments disagreements but it's not the end of the world it's how you manage it you know it's human being it's it's human nature that when you have a relationship you are going to have some ups and downs but it's how you manage those challenges um so yeah i think it's it's very important that we have a strong commitment to making our marriage work and not not think oh you know i'm having a bit of problem that's it you know not be so quick to rush to the you know d word you know because the d word yeah the d word divorce <laughs> the d word the j word the, these are the like dangerous words right uh, no because i do find that nowadays you know people feel that you know if there's some difficulties you're going through in a, in a marriage that's it you know divorce should be the last thing that comes to mind not the first thing you know and so do you think that like do you think that mm-hmm. divorce is something that comes to people's minds too quickly nowadays of course um, i've worked with so many different you know uh sisters that they feel okay i'm going through this problem you know i, I don't think i can manage and we we say no no okay hold on why can't you manage you know what's going on and then you know sometimes i would see that you know actually the marriage is not the problem she is going through her own personal issues you know mm-hmm. she feels overwhelmed there was one particular case <coughs> subhanallah obviously i'm not going into the details you know just to give an idea you know i had a you know sister she was saying you know i, I feel so overwhelmed and he doesn't do this he doesn't do that and then i was listening to her and i was thinking to myself oh my god she just sounds like a very over exhausted person you know mm-hmm. so then i said to her so what do you do for yourself she said i don't do anything like I, i don't have time to do anything you know i've got little ones the typical story and i said you know what it's really important that you do something for yourself and you yeah. know that whole aspect of self care i was talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. so then i just left it and you know every so often you know people would call me up and they would say you know what um umtala you don't realize that piece of advice you gave me i tried to implement and i can't tell you how much of a difference it has made in my marriage and i would be thinking to myself what did i say to you because i'm speaking to so many different people and she would remind me you know um you said to me to take care of my needs you know to take care of myself and that's mm-hmm. what i did as a result 
it had an impact in my marital life. So I thought, wow, you know, sometimes, you know, we think marriage is the thing that's creating problems in our life, but it could be that we have our personal issues. Maybe we're overexhausted. Maybe we have an emotional wound that we need to attend to, you know, because don't forget, marriage is about two people. And if you, the one party's going through some difficulties, of course it's going to come into the marriage life or marital life. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very important that women take care of themselves before they think, okay, you know, my, my marriage is actually not working, you know. They need to look at, okay, what are the things that's actually contributing to the problems or issues? I'm not saying that, you know, there are genuine concerns with regards to marriage. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that sometime, if you're going through difficulties, try to analyze what is it that's creating the problem. And don't think divorce is a solution, you know. Mm. Uh, just Just think before you rush to, or before you even think about, okay, this is not working. Ask yourself, why isn't it working? So I guess marital arts is about making people think deeply about their marital life, reassess or yeah. refocus. So I've, I've noticed that you, you have an annual conference, mm -hmm. right? You do Ramadan preparation seminars. You have a Dazzle and Dine mm -hmm. uh, event. Yes, we do. <laughs> so that, that's definitely about self-care, right? Definitely. Um, and a Hajj preparation workshop. And you have courses and mm -hmm. you have um, the regular halaqa that you mentioned. So... What I really liked was <clears throat> three things that I um, noticed that you, that marital arts likes to focus on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wanted you to go into some of those. The first, I think you've already started talking about, yeah. and that is self-care. Self-care. Mm -hmm. The second is relationships. Mm -hmm. And the third is parenting. Mm -hmm. So could you just go into like, what, what do you mean by yeah. each of those? Definitely. Um, well, self-care is the most important aspect of what we do. We try yeah. to get women to think about who they are, what are they doing, and their general self, uh, you know, well-being, you know, because mm -hmm. it's very important that women, a woman is well within herself, you know, her mind, body, and soul. Because if she's well within herself, whatever she does, whether it's work, family, parenting, that will have an impact, you know. She will yeah. be conscious, you know, parent when she's parenting. She'll be a present wife when she's actually dealing with her husband. So it's about her wellness, you know. And it's like the whole um, airplane scenario, you know, when 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 they do the intro when you when you enter an airplane, they say, if anything goes wrong, mm. you put the oxygen mask on yourself first, yes, before you attend to the kids, right? Whereas, like a parent's instinct is kids, 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 yeah, other people first, mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. as mothers, you yeah. know, we we have that instinct, yeah. But if you were to do that in yeah. an airplane scenario, for yeah. example, yeah. you'd be dying and or you'd be suffering and then other people would also suffer in the end. So yeah. it's kind of like that. Absolutely. Take care of, you've got to take care of your own um, basic needs. Absolutely. Um, and nurturing yeah. first yeah. in order to be able to serve Others. your family and better, right? Yeah, mm. absolutely. Like, you know, when Allah tells us in, in the Quran, in Surah Tahrim, the ayah that's usually mentioned in, in the family conferences and, you know, uh, marriage, you know, talks, uh, you know, interestingly, Allah mentions the self first, you know, save yourself. Then, yeah, then your family. <coughs> yeah. You know, so I think it's very important that we prioritize our needs because mm. if we are good within ourselves, then inshallah we have 
more good to give to our loved ones. And you know, uh, an interesting, just a little thought that came to my mind as mm-hmm. you mentioned that was, I was reading the biography, autobiography of um, uh, Barack Obama's wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's her name? Sorry, Michelle. Obama. Michelle Obama, of mm-hmm. course, Michelle Obama. And um, you know, I love reading biographies because mm-hmm. I feel like you really get into like, understanding people. Yeah. And so one of the things I loved about her mm-hmm. bio- autobiography, she talked about her marriage. And um, she talked about, and you know how they are, right? Like when you see uh, Michelle Obama and Barack Obama, forget about their politics and all that, right? But just as a couple, Mm. like, you know, they seem to be really like excellent and amazing couple, right? Like really get on. And and, and I think the book really proves that as well. Like if, you know, her her account of their marriage, et cetera. However, she does actually talk about, having marriage marriage counseling mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um what i found interesting about it is that she during her marriage counseling found mm. that it was actually issues that she had mm-hmm. personally things that she wasn't feeling good about mm-hmm. um that she realized her husband couldn't fix yeah. you know but she was expecting mm. her marriage to fix uh, and because she wasn't getting that yeah. she was blaming the marriage or blaming yes. her husband whereas it was actually something that she needed to do, like self-work, right? Yeah. And she had to go away and, and, and work on that yeah. and work on her, her own happiness yeah. and well-being yeah. um, in order to bring that sense of well-being into the marriage rather than expecting marriage to be or, or your husband yeah. or spouse to be the one who's going to fulfill you or complete you yeah. um, and blaming them when that doesn't happen, right? So yeah. Absolutely. I found you know- that quite insightful. This is something that I can really uh, uh, appreciate because um, when I see sisters who are going through uh, problems or some issues in their marriage, I would encourage them, look, you need to do things for yourself. You need to meet up with your, you know, say, friends or mm. people that you like to spend time with. Yeah. Because when you do that, you feel a sense of, um, you know, uh, fulfillment and also yeah. you feel a bit more happier. So when you feel like that, you will bring more to the marriage. And uh, often... Um, they would think to themselves, well, I can't do that because I don't have no time. I said, no, you need to make time. Yeah, That is not, you know, a, a luxury. That's a need, you right. know. <laughs> Often they would look at me as if like, you know, you know, I really don't have time. No, I said, look, where is it that you, you can make the time, you know, because sometimes mm. we have it in our mind, we don't have time. But it's about making time for a need that you have. But very often, I don't know what it is, in our Muslim community, there is a sense of guilt, like if I do things for myself, and I tell them, no, don't feel guilty because this is for you. Mm. When you feel fulfilled, when you feel uh, like refreshed, then you have much more to give to your family. So look at it like this. You, it's an investment. It's not mm-hmm. something that you are taking as a, as a privilege. It's a need. So when they do that, you know, um, it really does make a huge difference, you know, and sometimes I think... The husband I, benefits, ab- the, absolutely. the children benefit. Like sisters and, tell mm. me that, you know, because when they come to the halakha, obviously they are having that tea time because we have a tea break where we get the sisters to mingle and have a chai and a chat. And uh, that would really, you know, um, help sisters to feel like there's a sense of belonging, they've got friends. And sometimes women like to chat with other women and all we need is having a few girlfriends to, you know, talk about our emotions, yeah. what we're going through. Sometimes men, they don't, they may not understand our emotional need. We need certain uh, companionship. I think there's different people who, like my mum, she always says, there's different types of love. Exactly. Love has different compartments. Mm. 
the love you have for your best friend or mm. for your friends mm. is a different thing and, and, and what you get from them yeah. and from that relationship is different to what you get from your relationship with your spouse. Spouse, yes. And then your relationship with your children, your relationship with your siblings. So yeah. I think recognising that all of those relationships are part of the rich tapestry mm. of being a human being. Um, Absolutely. And being willing to invest in them. I think that's yeah. what you're saying, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, and I think women should take care of their companionship, you know, their friends, their girlfriends. Definitely. As I'm getting older, I'm, I'm, I really feel that. Yeah. I really feel that, you know, investing in my girlfriends and mm. my relationship with women mm. um, is just amazing. It's just so important. It's so enriching and it's so, like... It fills me up, you know. Absolutely. Um, I mean, whenever I meet up with you, Fatima, you know, my husband knows that <laughs> I would tell him that, you know, I'm meeting up with my friend Fatima. He would tease me. And, you know, when I meet <laughs> up with you and we have a nice, you know, yeah. gup chup, you know, and then I go back. <laughs> gup chup. You know, yeah he, yeah, he can really see that. I feel so, like, you know, in high spirit, you know. It's like a buzz, you know, you have. You think, oh, you know, I met my mm. friend. And you talk about the things that you want to talk about, you know, mm. because sometimes you have different needs to what they want to talk about. They talk about things that interest them. That's fine. But it's not something that you have, you know, like mm. great enthusiasm, great enthusiasm in talking about. But with your friends, girlfriends, you want to talk about things that interest you. And you could talk for hours, isn't it? You mm. know, and that's something that I think every woman should prioritize. Definitely. And every woman mm. should actually seek out to do on a regular basis. And, and again... As we were saying, you know, like just as marriage needs nurturing, friendships need nurturing Absolutely, as well, right? Yeah. You've got to make the time. You've yeah. got to consider them important enough to actually spend time with that person. Yeah, do things that will deepen that relationship. Yes. Have experiences. Mm. You know, uh, go out, spend time together at home, even mm. and get together yeah. with kids as well. You know, I think yeah. all of those different aspects help help us to deepen friendships mm. because. Even though we live in like an amazing, massive city like London, mm. I think a lot of people are lonely. You know, Fatima, what can I say? A lot of the sisters, you know, in London, in a city, I find that although there are so many ways to like, you know, communicate with people, mm. but there is still this sense of feeling isolated and lonely. Yeah. And I can't tell you, you know, like recently I've observed that, you know, many sisters they, you know, um, say that they're very lonely and one of the things that they want from their husband is to spend more time with them. Mm. But that's quite impractical because the man is working and when he comes home, obviously the time is limited. But to fill that void of loneliness, I think it's important that we seek out company and we don't always depend on others to actually fill that void for us. So uh, having girlfriends, having good companions, having people that you can see who would speak to you about things that you want to talk about is such a wonderful way to come out of that loneliness, you know, whole. And I don't think anyone should feel, you know, bad or feel, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, that they are actually seeking out, you know, attention because that's something that every human need has. And it's okay yeah, absolutely. To, to feel, you I mean, know. Uh, I think women feel guilty a lot, right? Especially mothers, they feel very guilty. Oh, yeah. I'm actually doing something fun and, yeah. and I don't have my kids with me. But subhanAllah, you know, there's no need to feel guilty. You know, you're... You're taking care of their needs. Yeah, um, I mean, there's, a the time, the time there's a time for this. There's a time for that, you know. For this and a time Isn't for it? That. You have yeah. to be mindful that Absolutely. okay, you know, there are times where you're going to be at home taking care of the family, but also there needs to be a time where you can actually attend to your needs as well. You know. Yeah. And you don't need to be a martyr. Basically. No, no, definitely not. So know? the first uh, thing that you said that marital arts likes to encourage and focus on is self care. The second is relationships. What do you mean by relationships? Um, relationship. 
in marriage is very um, important focus for us. Uh, we find there's a lot of, um, say, attention out there in, in, the, in the community or in businesses where people focus on giving you a great wedding, you know, like the wedding day. There's so much out there <laughs> to encourage you to have yeah. this type of wedding or that type of wedding. Then we have nothing. Then we have, you know, Sharia Council where you go there to get your divorce. <laughs> You know, so it's like, okay. get married and then yeah. the divorce, you know, counsel where they can help you to get khula or divorce. But there's mm. nothing in between to actually help you to strengthen, to, you know, nurture the relationship, the relationship. so that mm. you are having a, a long lasting, fulfilling relationship. So we are trying to focus on giving sisters or rather I would say sharing the recipe mm. because as women, we like to share Good recipes. It's like sharing the recipe for a good, happy, long-lasting marriage. So that's what we try to do through our workshop. So we give them tools and we try to encourage like positive, you know, uh, interaction between spouse. Mm. Taking, you know, um, uh, guidelines from the Quran and the Sunnah in the 21st century, 21st century context so that people can understand, okay, you know what, if we look at our life, you know, he has to work or I have to work sometimes. So how can we manage our marital relationship in yeah. that, you know, um, setting? So we, we talk about uh, communication a lot. Yeah. And we talk about understanding roles and responsibilities. So you can see yourself in this, you know, big puzzle. Where do I fit in? So one of the things that we like to encourage is how can we build from the mm -hmm. beginning a positive, healthy relationship with our spouse? So we try to discuss issues relating to, say, um, uh, compassion in marriage. You know, how Allah, he, he says, you know, mm -hmm. and we have made between them uh, uh, love and mercy. Com compassion, mercy. Mm -hmm. So we talk about, you know, being compassionate with your spouse a lot. And then we talk about, you know, the love languages, you know, how it's important oh, to express. Oh, the five love languages. Yes, yes. So you're, you're into that, yeah? Yeah, because Mashallah. I think it's such a brilliant way of actually teaching the Western audience about not just love, but express love. Because so just, just in case somebody doesn't know what, what the love languages are, it's, it's a book, right? Yeah, There's it's a, a book, book by Dr. Gary Chapman. He's, mm -hmm. he's a Christian pastor and some of the things that he discusses in the book it's really wonderful and we find a lot of um, teaching is from the Quran and Sunnah anyway. Mm. So it's something you mean that, that is congruous with the Yeah, Quran and, and it, it's such a beautiful way of actually seeing, okay, wh what is my love language and what is his What does it language? mean, love language? Basically, um, how you communicate love to your spouse. Mm. Because every one of us, we have ways in which we express our love, you know. Um, and it's about knowing, okay, how do I feel loved? How do people right. show me that they love me? So maybe like if I was to ask you, okay, Fatima, uh, how do you know that somebody loves you? What are the ways that they can show you that they love you? So he's identified like five key areas mm -hmm. uh, or five things, five languages. He calls them love languages that, yeah. um, that people uh, usually need in order to feel loved. And I, from what I understand, he says that, you know, there's like one or two dominant love languages that yeah. each of us have. Mm. And if you don't understand your spouse's um, love language, 
it's like you're you're both speaking two different languages. Yes. One of you speaking Chinese, the other one speaking, you know, I don't know, uh, Bengali, <laughs> right? Yeah, Farsi. Okay, and uh, and so you're just like missing each other. Mm, mm. But if you understood what the dominant language was for your spouse, mm. in other words, the dominant way in which they feel loved, then you could tap into that and mm. do more of that. Yeah. So that your spouse would feel loved. And do you know? Do you know what Um Talha? This. When I discovered, uh, you know, the five love languages, it really changed things for me and my husband because we realized there were certain things that, for example, uh, for me, I think one of my love languages is gifts. Right? <laughs> <laughs> It's gifts, right? I think a lot of sisters would... Uh, you know identify with that you know the whole kind of you never buy me flowers yeah. thing right uh, alhamdulillah so but once once um, my husband realized that okay gifts are a big deal to her right in a way that it's not he doesn't really identify with gifts as one of his love languages right yeah. Um, and so that's why it probably is kind of like a blind spot sometimes for yeah. people like when you don't realize that yeah. this thing mm. that doesn't seem like a important thing to you because you express love in other ways yeah. it's actually very important to that person so even so now now that he's aware of that he will go out of his way to exactly. to buy gifts or to and it doesn't have to be material things yeah. it can be just like doing something that is like a gift yeah. you know and that's from the sunnah because the prophet sallallahu literally said tahadu tahabbu right Absolutely, that you yeah. give gifts and you will love one another Um, so I think, like for us, for example, that really helped. And and I think one of the other love languages um, that we identified with was acts of service. Mm. So I think Kidma. one of my one of my husband's love languages is acts of service. Mm. So just feeling like somebody's willing to make the tea for you, mm -hmm. and you know, just go out of their way and do the things that you need done. Yeah, that meant a lot to him. Yeah, um, and so me knowing that yeah. meant. Now I can actually do more of that, hmm. and yeah. So, should we should we actually mention what the five yeah, love I languages mean, are? Th these are really brilliant, you know, ways to actually, you know, um, uh, express love to your loved ones. Because sometimes, so the first is words of affirmation, mm. right? So that's like saying. actually saying, "I love you. Mm. You look great." Mm. Um, Or you make me feel so special. Yeah, you know. And do you know between husband and wife? You don't have to be 100% honest. That's an area where you uh -oh. can, you know. What are be... you encouraging people to do? No, we know like <laughs> there are times where you can say things yep. because you know the outcome would be a very good one. And that is... Oh, you mean like when you're dressed between... up and your husband yeah. says, you look lovely. like, <laughs> And you don't. <laughs> of course we always look lovely, mashallah. But yeah. But you know what I, I mean. I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah. So... um. Yeah, words of affirmation is such a brilliant way to express love for your mm. loved ones. The second one is, you know, spending quality time, mm. being present. And when I oh, say being present, that is, is that nowadays deal. people are with each other, but they're not present. They're on their phone. Right. They're on their phone. Yeah, that's not quality so time. Undivided attention. Absolutely. And we know that from the Prophet, when he used to speak to people, he used to turn the whole body. Like, right. I'm speaking to you you know yeah. i'm present i'm interested and you know and they used to feel like they were the most important person exactly, to him exactly right? exactly yeah. you know oh with the words of affirmation uh, reminded me uh, you were mentioning earlier about 
how the Prophet ﷺ actually expressed mm. that he loved Aisha, right? Like, yes. Publicly, he actually mm. said it. So, yeah. subhanAllah, the fact yeah. that he was willing to express verbalize that. Mm. Yeah, mm. and also um, when he was asked, then who? Because one of the companion, male mm. companion asked the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Abuha, her uh, next person is her father. Right. And you could have said mm-hmm. Abu Bakr Siddiq, but no, he tied it to her. Right. Subhanallah. So you can see how the Prophet was very expressive. Also, of his love, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so you said the second one was undivided attention. Yeah, quality time, spending quality, quality time. Quality time. Yeah. yeah. And the third is uh, gifts. We we already yeah discussed about, about that. that. So it can be any gestures of giving, mm. right? Uh, the fourth is acts of service. So. Yeah. Like khidma. literally, yeah, khidma, khidma. Right. Yeah. yeah, and I think, subhanAllah, um, the secret to a happy marriage is to really invest your time in khidma. Because when you serve others, you know, you make others feel so special and you almost make them feel as if, you know, that they can't live without you. And that's what you want to do, is make mm. them feel so dependent on you that they can't Imagine a life without you, you know? And I know it sounds Prophet a bit like cheesy. Khadija, yeah. yeah, exactly, you know? When she passed away. Yeah, and it's it little like... things, you know, I would say, but when your husband comes home, he's had a very busy, very uh, tiring day. You know, attend to his needs. I know you've got your vent, but wait for a while. Attend to his needs. You know, when he's eating, just be there for him, just to kind of, you know, listen... And you see that after you've done that bit, he's all yours. He wants to listen to what you've got to say, you know. Simple things. It's too difficult. And it, I know it's difficult, <laughs> but it's not impossible. I want to tell him about my day. I know, I know. But hold on, hold on. Don't forget, what what I'm telling the sister is not something that I'm just experimenting. I do it mm. myself. Yeah. So if I see he's working for me, I think to myself, well, if he's working for me, I'm sure he can work for others. And when I share it with others... They say, oh, Talha, he really does work. And that's the time if I want to say to him, you know what, I've got, after feeding and, you know, mm. attending, when I say, oh, I need to go to a party. You know, he's so willing to allow me and take care of the kids. You know, so <laughs> sometimes you have to know, like, how to, you know, be with your spouse. Because we have moments where if you feel relaxed and happy and pleased, we're more likely to give in to the demands and requests, isn't it? It's just human nature. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the fifth love language is, physical touch touch right so yes. actually expressing love through connection physically mm, physically right? yeah yeah and um we know that you know even with our friends you know when we when we want to show them our love you know sometimes we embrace them we hug yeah. them we kiss them you know but between husband and wife it's a special type of touch mm. and that intimate touch is so important and this touch is something that you know it's 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 so um it's it's a sacred thing you know that you have to take care of and not underestimate i mean without going too much into details you know there's a very beautiful hadith where you know one of the companions was asking the prophet ya rasulullah when we are intimate with our spouse do we get reward for it and the prophet said yes because if you were to do it in a haram way you will get punished so they were astonished that we we fulfill our needs and there's there's reward for it, mm-hmm. subhanAllah. So when we look at it like this, you know, it changes our perspective on things, you know, and you think, okay, this is something that Allah has made halal between two strange people because of nikah, and we have to take care of it. 
You know, intimacy mm. in marriage is something that we really highlight a lot. And mm. we've had workshops mm. where we talked about intimacy in marriage. We called it the bed of roses, talking about different aspects of, you know, intimacy in marriage, mar- married life. Because I think sometimes, you know, we can have this tendency of being prudish, you know, but we have to realize this is a area that, you know, we have to take care of and a lot of problems does stem from each spouse feeling unfulfilled and we know that in that department yeah, yeah, yeah. in that department you yeah. know this is the only way that you can fulfill yourself and it has to be taken care of and communication is key in improving the intimate aspect of your marital life and after all it is one of the you know halal and you know your halal habibi yeah it's it's one of those hell it's one of the beautiful things of life right one absolutely of the gifts that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us in yes. this life that yeah. ability to have that intimacy now I'm just thinking some people you know might be listening and they might be thinking well you know are we demonizing divorce you know is 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 divorce being demonized here because at the end of the day um you know it it is a permissible thing it's yes, not yes. you know and in some cases it might actually be a uh, necessity and mm-hmm. it might even be the better thing to yeah. do right yeah so I, I i guess you would agree with me that you know nobody's denying that yeah. you know and, and there are you know abusive situations yeah. and situations where people need to get out yeah um so it's not to kind of demonize it but i guess what you're saying is let's not make divorce come too easily mm-hmm. and let's not make it the first thing that comes into yeah. our minds you know yeah. when, when we start facing problems right mm-hmm. after that honeymoon period yeah, yeah. usually you know when you've had your first child and your your nerves are frazzled your mm. your lack of sleep mm. you know th- there are there's a physical toll you yeah. know uh, to all of that um i guess that's probably a time when people start having their first kind of clashes um and at times it can feel really overwhelming mm. now do you think on talha that people like uh, nowadays tend to you know take their problems outside of their marriage too quickly because I'll tell you what I mean by that like I know that my parents generation um, and even our generation I guess like or some of us would avoid you know like if we have a problem with our spouse it would have to be really like bad it would have to be something that really goes like we've yeah. tried everything within the marriage to do our best you know before anyone would even hear about it right like even your parents or Mm. even people who love you um Mm. you know you wouldn't be quick to allow them to know that there's any kind of issue Mm. between you as a couple and and i think there was actually a lot of benefit in that Mm. you know in keeping it together Mm. in order to sort it out between yourselves because as we all know subhanallah like as human beings sometimes you have a bad day, mm. you know. Um, sometimes you have a m- massive argument. Yeah. And the next day you think, what was it about? Mm. You know, you, you, it's yeah. completely back to normal. And, you know, just the fact that two people living together for so long yeah. and in such an intense situation, there are going to be times when yeah. things are bad. And if you're the sort of person who quickly goes outside of the mm. marriage and talks about it to other people, then doesn't that kind of um, make the problem bigger? Mm. Like, do you think that's one of the issues? Um, one of the things that I have to say is that, Fatima, you know, um, 
there there is a hadith that some of us know that you know when when um iblis gets his kind of um <laughs> accounts of which of the devils done what you know and he feels like okay you haven't done much you know but then one mm-hmm. of them says today i've managed to break between a couple between yeah. a couple husband said, and wife you're the one why no. why does the devil get so happy because when a marriage breaks down it makes all those who are in the marriage family children open to vices you know and that's why it's very important that you know uh, uh, bani adam children of adam we are actively working towards saving all the marriages you know as many marriages as possible personally alhamdulillah i've been able to through positive and uh, you know intervention able to ma- save about three marriages that comes to mind yeah these three marriages were people that i knew in the community and now if i was to show you those three marriages you wouldn't believe that they went through really like difficult struggles you know without going to too you much detail you mean like details. they were at the point where they yeah. were just they just had it Khalas, right? yeah mm. but alhamdulillah with the support and with the you know guidance and with the time to think things through they decided no we're going to make it work and what made the marriage work is because they became committed to making it work mm-hmm. and i want people in the community i want everyone listening to this podcast have this uh, uh commitment to encourage others to make their marriage work to give it a try and not to feel the pressure to break marriage at the first strike of a calamity you know mm. and i feel that in this society there's too much pressure to just end the marriage because he's doing this because he's doing that and sometimes i've seen sisters they genuinely want to give it a second go but people around them they're so pro divorce they're like no you can't you can't handle this you can't do this but you don't really? know the reality yeah i, I would have thought that for like families because you know especially like uh, if you're from a certain background you there's certain taboo Uh, no still. i think nowadays you know people are more you know open to the idea of you know what well, you don't need him you know you can cope by yourself you know it's okay you know we're in this country you know people can mm-hmm. you know fend for themselves but what they don't realize the woman herself you know she feels that the pressure is so strong to leave the marriage that sometimes she feels like okay i have to leave the marriage because that's what i'm being advised but i want people to look at marriage like a project where they're trying to save so that it can have a um better impact in the wider society right. what do Because i mean by you, this you can't have a good community is made of families right exactly and families cannot be strong if marriages aren't strong yes so, yes mm, I, i don't think... want a society where you know divorce becomes normal and widespread and you know common yeah. because then what would happen people would lose the kind of um sanctity of you know the importance of being in a marriage you know and mm-hmm. a healthy society is one where families are strong and how do families become strong through the strength of marriage so umtalha i remember you you were saying to me once that um you know we need more voices that bind people together yes. we need more voices advocating for marriage yes. um rather than for you know fleeing from difficult yes. situations and fleeing you know etc um you said to me i think that uh, one of the things that you've noticed is people often when they do turn to people for help 
right? If they do get to, into a very difficult situation and they, they need help from others mm. and they've reached out, that it's not that they, the fact that they reached out, that is a problem. It's that the people they reach out to yes, yes. <laughs> cause them problems. That is so... Can you go into that a little yeah, bit? Please? I mean, <clears throat> sometimes when sisters tell me that they're going through some marital problems, I would ask them, who else have you told? Mm. And they would say, well, I'm thinking of telling so-and-so. And I would say, look, be mindful of who you are sharing this piece of information because you want to share it with somebody who has your best interest at heart. You know, right. And that's very important because... If you look at our health, we, we would not just tell anyone. We would go and tell a person who's qualified to deal with our health and diagnosis, isn't it? And who cares? And who cares, yeah? And Sim who's invested in it succeeding, right? Exactly, yeah. mm. exactly. So I would always encourage them, look, keep it in confidence. Only tell people who can do something about your problem. And I would say to them, look, if your family members... Certain family members, they don't need to know. Don't tell them. Yeah. Because you don't want it to be like a news round where everyone hears it, <laughs> yeah. but they don't do anything a about tabloid. it. A tabloid, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes they will look the at me in a strange way. Mm. But then I would explain to them, look, at the end of the day, he's still your husband and you don't know where it's going to go. Maybe you will stay with him. And if you want to stay with him, you don't want other people to view him in a negative way because he's yeah. still, after all, your children's father. Yeah. yeah, And you may have moved on with the relationship, but they still have certain biases against him. They're still right. thinking, okay, he did this, he did that. Basically, yeah? there's some things that you might say that can't be undone, that e can't be exactly. unsaid. Yeah, and you don't want other um, people to remind you of that. Yeah. So the more people you tell, the more voices you will have reminding, oh, do you remember he used to be like this? And you don't want to keep on remembering the things mm. in the past. You want to move on, Yeah. So um, I would really encourage people to think, okay, they've got marriage problem. Yeah, this is reality of life. We have problems in our you know, life. We have problems with work. We have problems with health. We have problems with marriage. You know, mm. This is part and parcel of life. But what I'm saying is when you do have a problem, think carefully who's the best person to consult regarding your problem. Mm. And that could be somebody who is in the family, who's mature, who's like a murabbi. So you can speak to them about it in confidence. If you feel, okay, I don't think I can go to my family, well, you could speak to people outside of the family, but be sure you're going to the right person. And yeah. everyone knows who that right person is. They just have to do a bit of thinking. Yeah, because I think, like, I've heard of stories where, you know, sisters will have come to the end of their tether, for example, and they yeah. reach out to somebody. And that person, instead of, you know, helping them work through it in a positive way mm. or trying to help them think of ways to mend the relationship mm. will literally pour petrol onto the fire yeah. and yeah. you know make them feel worse yeah. and um so you don't you don't yeah. want that to happen no um, absolutely not and you know uh, it's it's quite scary actually because every one of us we can be a potential uh, uh, person to break the marriage you know like saying things that will make the person feel like yeah that's true i don't want to mufsid, a mufsid yeah. or a muslim <laughs> muslim right? yeah. yeah or you can you know mend the marriage you yeah, know muslim, yeah. so sometime mm. uh everyone in the community needs to take that responsibility active responsibility of saving the marriage you know because when you save a marriage you save a community you know i know mm. sometime you, you may think okay that's a bit of a big 
a bold statement, but yeah. it's true. Mm-hmm. Because think about our children when they grow up and when they see, okay, a lot of marriages are failing. They might think, you know, what's the point of getting married, you know? Yeah. And I know yeah. quite a few youth, they're a bit, you know, put off the idea of marriage because they think marriage equals to problems, you know? And that's not a very healthy way to go on. So it's about changing the narratives in our community where we say, okay, you know what? There are marriages that break down, but there are also positive marriages. So marital artists, what what marital artists is trying to do is refocus the light onto marriages that are working. So people can mm. see, okay, you know what? Marriage does mean having a companion. Marriage does mean having a good life. Marriage does mean having the support network yeah. so that you can raise the future generation. You know, uh, we hear often bad things in the community, but I think it's it's about time we change what we hear. You know, and uh, through marital... Well, that's what that's what Ilmfeed is all about. Absolutely, know? and I, it's wonderful. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed yes. uh, Ilmfeed's videos and yeah. uh, content. You know, subhanAllah, it's, for me, I, I always look forward to, you know, looking at Ilmfeed's videos because I know I'm going to feel positive at the end. I'm going to hear some good news. Exactly. You know? And I think we need that because we live in a culture full of bad news. Absolutely. Full of negative stories. And, Absolutely. And, and that think... can have an impact on your yeah. mindset, your mental health. Yeah. Definitely. Recently, I went to this uh, event. It was like a launch event for young sisters. And uh, they asked me to do a talk about intention. So, of course, I'm going from marital arts. I'm going to talk about intention to get married. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, one of the organizers was telling me that that young girl, she was a teenager. But she was asked, what did you find amazing about the event? And she said, well, what I liked the most is that there was a um, speaker and she was talking about marriage. And uh, she was telling us that we should think about getting married. Uh, and uh, the organizer was quite surprised that out of everything in the event, she took that point mm-hmm. that we should start to think about marriage. And she's only 14. And I thought to myself, subhanAllah, that's quite powerful to have youngsters thinking or planting a seed about marriage. Because as you know, this is the only way that you can progress into a relationship through marriage, you know. Mm-hmm. So marital arts is talking about marriage in a positive light, not about marriage or that means arrange or force or this, that. No, it's about, you know, we all grow up, we have needs, human needs, and that need is to be fulfilled in the halal way, and that is through marriage. So it's it's wonderful that we can talk about marriage. Sing the praises of marriage, right? Yeah, absolutely. And talk mm. about marital life in a way that sounds exciting, and it is exciting. Yeah, it is. But I I think you're right that sometimes... Uh, our events and and uh, you know sometimes there is this focus on th- when things go wrong and yeah. when the things that do go wrong or things that people are doing that you know are harming marriages and yeah. we don't get to hear the positive stories so much. Yeah. Um. You, the the third area that you that marital arts says it focuses on is parenting. Mm-hmm. So you've brought parenting into the whole mix of marriage. Marriage. Right? Because uh, sometimes I find um, when when uh, sisters have children, for some reason they forget that they they they, they were once a wife. You know, they, the focus goes so much into the children's needs. Oh, because it's so hard. It is hard. It but is. don't forget, you know, you're not just you know um, uh, embracing a, a, a new role of motherhood and forgetting about your role as a wife, yeah. wifehood. You mm-hmm. know, we have to multitask. You know. And uh, marital arts gives tools to parent the children, but also reminds the woman, you're still a wife. Mm-hmm. And that's something you need to take care of. And you're still, you're still an gorgeous. individual, you're which still... is self-care. You need to yeah. take care of. 
So it's important that in different roles, we are still able to balance. And balance is the key to success, having that balance. And, you know, here I just want to mention with regards to balance, a very beautiful hadith of Salman al-Farisi. You know, Salman al-Farisi and Abu Darda, they were like companions, they were buddies. And once Salman al-Farisi came to visit Abu Darda and he saw Abu Darda's wife was in a shabby state. That was before hijab was revealed. So he asked her, like, why are you in that state? So Umu Darda said that your, your brother has no need in the luxuries of this world. Meaning mm. he's so into his spirituality, he's <laughs> got no time for me. So Salman al-Farisi, he stayed the night and he um, noticed certain things. Like, for example, when Abu Darda was giving him food, he would not eat because Abu Darda's fasting. Oh, so then Salman said, you know, now you have to break fast, otherwise I'm not going to eat. So he mm. broke fast. During the night time, Salman al-Farisi, he notices that Abu Darda, he's so anxiously getting up to do Qiyamul Layl. So he tells him, like, go to sleep. And then he wakes up again and says, go to sleep. Third time, Salman al-Farisi said, you know, wake up. Like, you know, let's pray. And then after they prayed, Salman al-Farisi is telling his friend, you know, subhanAllah, the blessing of having good companions. He says, look, your Lord has a right upon you. Your body has a right upon you. And your family has a right upon you. So give everyone their due right. Mashallah. Now, when Abu Darda heard this, he wasn't too sure. So he went to the Prophet Sallallahu He said, Salman came. And he did this, he made me break my fast, and he said that to me. What did the Prophet say? Because Salman al-Farisi was seeing his friend do something very spiritual, like, you know, good deeds. Yeah. But even then he was saying, no, you need to give time for your body. You need to sleep, mate. You need to give time for your, you know, family. You need to give time to your Lord. You know, give everyone their due rights. The mm. Prophet, he replied and he said, Sadaqa Salman. Salman spoke the truth. So from this hadith we see, balance is key. Even in spirituality. Satan was sa. Time for this, time for, time that. for that. So that's why we say, okay, you know what? You've got children, you have to parent them. But don't forget yourself as a wife. Don't forget yourself as a individual who is a servant of God. So it's all about creating balance. Mm. And I guess this hadith is one of those powerful hadith that we advocate a lot. To show people, look. Islam is not about just being at the a service hermit of your children. Yeah. Or some kind of, yeah. Yeah. Like Sometimes we have. Away from the dunya completely. Right? Exactly. Mm. Sometimes in, in, in our events, Dazzle and Dine, we all dress up. And it's about displaying, look, there are times where we need to take care of our looks. Mm. You know, Allah is beautiful. He loves beauty. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in, in our, you know, glad rags attire, we would be giving talks and they would look yeah. at us and our guests and say, <laughs> Um Talha, like, they you, you need yourself, you know. So yeah, Satan was Time for this and time for that. Yeah, you know, and I think sometimes uh, the practicing community we feel like we always have to be in black and you know looking serious. No, there is life to be lived, to so live it, and that's the that's the the middle path. You know, absolutely. So I think that's really important for our younger people as well. Like, yeah, I, I realized that with my daughter, for example, that. She loves to see me dressed up. She loves to see me. She loves going to parties. And mm. and I'm going to find, and I have been finding, you know, halal ways for us to do that. And it's um, important. And and making the time for that. Yeah. You know, putting the effort in and yeah. being being able to be glamorous, being able to be women, right? Mm. Be ourselves. But embracing our femininity. And that's something mm. I feel we don't do enough of, you know? Yeah. Because I think then when our daughters see us, then they realize, yeah, you know, uh, mama, she's dressed like this and she does this because this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked her to do hmm. in public. Hmm. But then, you know, we have 
we have uh, our life you know we have um, yeah. the other side of life as well it's not it's not too uh, one-sided right no. mm. we have different dimensions to yeah. our self and being isn't it and mm. that's such a good um, way of uh, modeling to our youngsters uh, who can see okay there is a time where you have to pray and there's also time for when you can have a party you know and there is a time where you you know learn and there's a time for when you socialize you know so that's a balance and we find the balance was given to us by the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam you know when when he was with his companions you know they had you know certain times where they were you know in a serious situation and they had to be serious but there are times where he sallallahu alaihi wasallam he laughed and joked and he had a good time and that's the the best way of actually teaching people how to be you know modeling positive behavior mashallah you know umtala really talking to you about all of these things it makes me realize that you know we need more people like you in the, in the community because um you know those positive voices those people who are willing to engage with people but to help them find solutions mm. but you know i think in the past generation they were, that was a common thing you mm. know mm. Uh, like i don't want to like make you feel bad or anything but you know like the auntie right <laughs> i'm not saying you're an auntie but you know like the aunties that we used to have you know yeah. who actually cared mm. who actually not that they were nosy but they kind of were available concerned. they were concerned right so like for example i got married through an auntie right mm-hmm. so it's a lady who actually was a friend of my mom and happened to be a friend of my husband's mom and you know she mm. she wanted to bring us together so uh, that kind of uh role in society mm. you know even with the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam there was nafisa who mm. uh, khadija confided in and then she brought the proposal or the mm. suggestion to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that kind of figure the person who and i think women have traditionally played that role mm. you know had that role of actually um being a kind of a matriarch a, a, a mm. figure in society where uh who has wisdom yeah. you know who has um Uh, who who's willing to be a musliha uh, musliha meaning somebody who's willing to mend mm. and bring people together help fix the situation mm. and and i found that my mom naturally being the wife of a scholar you kind of fulf- start fulfilling that role mm. you know of being um somebody like a connector in mm. the community mm, mm, mm. so umtalha do you have any kind of final message or any kind of lasting uh, word that you'd like to give to our listeners and viewers i would like to say that if there's one thing that i would like people to take away from today's uh, podcast is that be become a marriage mender everyone will face some interaction with a marriage problem sometime in their life you know mm-hmm. directly or indirectly so be the voice who tries to mend the marriage you know mm-hmm. even if the marriage is not been mended but at least you've done your bit to become the the one who muslih muslih yeah so mm. be be the marriage mender not the marriage breaker i really hope that you know our listeners and our viewers i hope that you've really benefited from that uh, conversation with um talha jazakallah khairan um talha i really appreciate um you coming and sharing all of that with us the five love languages really important um you know uh, for us to bear in mind um and i wish you you know the best of luck with your work 
uh, and du'as and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make your work successful may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala strengthen our marriages Amen. and the marriages of the next generation and through that strengthen our families and communities Jazakum yeah. um, khairan uh, brothers and sisters oh, we've come to the end of another Ilm Feed podcast uh, please do subscribe you know, on iTunes and also on YouTube um, and share this um, podcast with other people. I'm sure there are people you know who could benefit from this podcast. Um, I'm your host, Fatima Barakatullah, and I will leave you now. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.